0: Well, I really don't think I'm going to say too much that's new to you after all of the wonderful words that have been spoken to your fathers. You call them elders, but they're really fathers. And all I'm going to do is probably try and share a little from the scriptures particularly from the life of Paul about what fathers are about now obviously uh, there's too much in the scripture to be able to spend time and take a bible study but I will refer to some things of importance and it's not just for fathers but for those that are on a journey to take up some kind of Christian service, whether it be in eldership or deaconship or whatever names you have for them, missionaries, whatever. Um, because as a young man, of uh, very young, uh, I uh, was. Uh, given a desire in my heart to do something for God not knowing exactly what it was but and so it was an exciting journey <clears throat> in trying to unfold that within my own journey so first of all I'd like to just give some brief things about fathers because it's uh, fairly important that we understand the fatherhood of God in Psalm 27:10, it tells us that when parents fail us, God takes us up. And I, as a pastor, have had many people who have come to me and tell me about their poor relationships with fathers or their fathers have died. And You know, we've just been through a lot of this in the India work and this last two years where fathers have died. And uh, But there are those that have... <clears throat> they lost their fathers but the comfort is that when for whatever reason when your father or mother don't perform you have someone else okay the Lord shall take you up and so I often point them to the cross because whatever happened prior to you coming to Christ after that you do have a father And you do have a friend, a comforter, and you do have the Lord Jesus Christ as well as your heavenly Father. In Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, The Father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And that word pitieth in the Old Testament means to have compassion or love upon. In Psalm 68, verse 5, God is a father to the fatherless. We work with orphans in many places in the nations and it's good to be able to comfort these young men and women, these children with the concept. But it's not just young ones, you know, sometimes we grow up and we're older and we kind of still remember back of maybe the failures of our fathers. And I'd like to just say that my father was born in London, in uh, East London. He was a Cockney, and he has a lot of a lot of sayings. And, uh, you know, I grew up with the attitude in my heart that my father didn't love me, which wasn't true. <clears throat> and uh, there was an expectation from me that... Uh, he could not provide, but I didn't know that he couldn't provide it, I just thought that he didn't want to provide it, but after learning his journey, he left home in England, his mother died, and he left home when he was 15, and turned up here in Australia in 1927, and right in the midst of the depression, and all of those things, then he went to war, and uh, they were tough times during the war and after the war. Many of you understand that. And so my expectation of him was not realistic. He had been on a journey, and he was a good father. He never abused us or anything like that. But my expectation of him was unreal. It was not realistic And that's helped me to understand in helping others because sometimes our expectations, our parents cannot provide what we're expecting of them because they don't have the capacity. Their journey has also been a difficult one and which my father probably didn't have a father that fathered him. So you just need to be understanding that a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And then in Isaiah six, 9, six, it says he's the everlasting father. So we need to thank God that we have such a heavenly father. And I think it's very encouraging when it talks in the scripture, in the book of Galatians, that he was, Jesus was made a curse for us, that we might receive the spirit of adoption Whereby we cry, Dad, Abba Father, Papa Papa, whatever term you want to use, they are all applicable. It's wonderful to have a Heavenly Father and we know that He doesn't change. I'd like to read uh, this morning a passage of Scripture of which I'd like to draw some analogies from today. And it's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 13, 14, and 15. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches? Except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Now, he's talking here, I don't want to be a burden to you. And that's probably one of the key factors of a father and verse 14 he says i'm ready to come to you and i will not be burdensome to you for i seek not yours but you for the children ought not to lay up for the parents but the parents for the children and in verse 15 i will gladly Spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I will be loved. That's an interesting little concept there. The thing is this, that Paul was an amazing spiritual father. And as he says here that, In the same passage of scripture, he said there are 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. And I find that fathering is probably the most rewarding thing that I've experienced in serving the Lord. Well, I've preached to thousands, hundreds, big groups, small groups. But what's most rewarding is to sit with one or two or more and to try and minister or to help those that are journeying with Christ uh, to make that journey a little more, not easier so much, but more understanding to them. Why? God has his ways and he has his time. And you know, it says in the book of Psalms that he showed his acts, to the children of Israel, but he showed his ways to Moses. And there's a difference between the actions and the things that God does to those reasons why he acts that way. Understanding his ways is very important for us to be able to at least in some measure discern or to understand what is happening to us at any given season that we have in our journey. And we all have seasons They're not all summer They're not all harvest time there's other seasons as you sang this morning. What I'd like to say here is Paul talks here specifically, when he says you don't have many instruct, many fathers, he also qualifies this and talks about his fatherhood to the Corinthian church in the concept of he was the first to bring the gospel to them. And he was the one that fathered them or gave birth to them in a spiritual sense. Now, what can we learn from that? Well, you know, I have a lot of young men who want to be trained, and they come to, and they say, oh, I want to be uh, trained, I want to serve the Lord. And they say, I'm an evangelist. And I'm always suspicious of evangelists, because they always want to have babies but not look after them. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's some family planning needs to happen here. <laughs> Uh, and so I have to try and mold these young men and women that they would be more concerned with not only giving birth to children, but to father them. There's an obligation of responsibility. Now, you might not use the word fathering. You might use the word discipling or mentoring or some other contemporary term, but... It really means that we have some responsibility and this was the concept of the father aspect that Paul is referring to here in this passage. And he's saying I don't replace guardians because we know that the law according to the scriptures was our guardian to bring us to Christ." But what he's saying is there is a function here that is specifically a fathering one when it is in relation to bringing people to a knowledge of Christ. And I think that's so very important. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 29, he says, For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourisheth it and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. Very important. The two most prominent characteristics of a father is to provide and to protect. And think of those two things. Uh, The young man that talked about his baby today, He's just learning how to provide and protect. And in that journey, we understand our uh, weakness, our humanity, because there are many times when we want to, but we can't. We have the desire, but we don't have the ability. We don't have the resources. Okay, And, and can you think? I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody today, but I reckon all of us played up on God somewhere along the way when we started out. What do you think that did to the Father? (laughs) Oh, dear. I've just spent three years with all of these fellas, and they all... One says, I go fishing, and they said, me too, and they all took off. I'm talking about Jesus' apostles... Or you call them disciples. How devastating that must have been. Think of God's heart. Um, Because, you know, we have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the new birth. And then we have fellowship. And that fellowship is based upon relationship. You can't have fellowship with God without relationship. Okay, But fellowship is fluctuating. It's fluctuating, depending on our responses. So sometimes I'm a naughty boy, maybe more than you. You know, sometimes I don't obey, sometimes I don't listen, sometimes I don't respond. And to be honest, we're pretty much all the same somewhere, even if we hide it very well. And I often think... When we're talking about fatherhood, we kind of need to get inside of his heart. How does he feel when we mess up, when we don't listen? Just recently, I was preaching on this little sentence, which probably doesn't mean much to anybody, but it's in the book of Isaiah, and it says, uh, you have not brought me any sweet cane with your offerings and I thought that's a strange saying but if you read the preceding verses and the following verses you'll find that these people were living out of harmony with God they weren't listening to him they were not obeying him there was no repentance there was no recognition of their state that was distant from God and I began to see the sweet cane was Those things that the father heart was longing to see in his children. You know? Listen to me. (laughs) Say sorry when you muck it up. Don't just let time pass on and on and on. What about forgiveness? And what about love and kindness and things that you could show to people? I mean all that they're the sweet cane that he's looking for. We can give our money. And he goes on, and he says, you give me money, but where's the sweet cane? You know, I thought that was a wonderful discovery, for me anyway, just recently. And uh, I thought, that's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. It's It's like a treasure hunt. You start digging, and all that stuff comes out. And what is the Father actually longing for? So sometimes we need to, Um, not only take that he provides and protects, but how does he feel? How How does he respond? And I kind of feel like there's an obligation. If we really love the Lord, which I'm sure we all do, we've got to come to that awareness that, well, we don't do some stuff because it will... Well, you can... Quote the scripture, grieve the Holy Spirit or do something like that. But, you know, I just think. And I remember the children of Israel in the book of Exodus when they're in bondage. And it says, and they cried unto the Lord by reason of the bondage. And this is how God responded. And I have heard your cry by reason of the bondage, and I am come down to deliver. You see, the responsiveness of God is important. The next thing I want to say from Paul's writing in this verse is that I'm ready to come to you. Uh, Fathers should seek to provide those things without being asked. How many pastors are all waiting for the elders to come? How many fathers or pastors are saying, well, if they ask me, I'll pray for them? So I can see that fatherhood here is a going to, not so much being invited, but seeing people struggle or they're having issues. I like to listen to people's prayers, not to be critical, but to understand what they're praying, because what they're praying is where they're at. Have you ever thought of that? Huh? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So fathers, when they see somebody struggling or they're sick, we should, as Paul says, I'm ready to come to you. He could have said, come to me. He could have said, well, I'll wait until I'm invited. But a father has this attitude. He's also ready, as he said, I don't want to be a burden to you. So we operate from this position of, you know, I've heard pastors say, well, the sheep need to be sheared so they should look after me. That really is a homemade doctrine. That's not in Scripture. And he's talking here about, I don't want to be a burden to you. I'm not coming to judge you, criticize you, or lay a heaviness on you. I'm actually trying to help you along your journey. And he says, I will spend... How many times have we come to the place where it says enough is enough? We've actually done so much for so many and so little return. Father never gets to that point. He might think it, but he never gets to that. He says, I will spend, and I'm prepared to be spent. Oh, that's another thing, isn't it? I have pastors come to me, and they say, I love... The church and being a pastor, it would be wonderful if there were no people. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how, how can that be? You look very serious there this morning. <laughs> okay, you, you know, a father, he, he kind of just keeps coming back for more. Even though the more that he loves, the less he knows he's going to be appreciated. Think of that. I will spend... And I think the implications of that. There is no end. I will love and keep on loving until there's no more to love. It's a little chorus we used to sing. There is no end. I'm prepared to be the offscarings of the earth. I'm prepared to be delivered as a lamb to the slaughter every day. I'm prepared for this in order that death may work in me, but I'll do it because life will work in you. You understand the paradox that Paul talks about in his writings? So when everything's going bad, God's doing some good. Maybe not just in you immediately, And this is the thing about fathering. It is this, that so often what we are going through, and this is also true for every Christian, the things that we're going through, we think they are exclusively personal. And we don't see the correlation and the connection of what our lives are doing for others. So I may be going through a real rough time and I've experienced this in the ministry. I-, I could tell you the tragedies that we've had and yet out of that, resurrection life has been birthed in many other wonderful things that have happened because it's not that I'm, in sig- I'm important, it's the fact that I don't belong to myself. I belong to someone else. Therefore, the position or the role or the call or the gift or whatever you want to call it, that I function in the economy of God, in the kingdom of God, is such that it's connected to other people. It's connected. If you read in the Psalms, we walk through the valley of Baca. The word Baca means the valley of weeping. Okay? But as you journey through the valley of weeping, you turn it into wellsprings of water. Somebody else is going to walk that pathway and they're going to drink of the water that came out of your weeping. Think of this that, you know, these analogies in Scripture are so important for us to be able to interpret our journey with God. Fathers continue to love even though they know they may be loved less. I like this. I will come to you. Fathers don't wait until they're asked. A willingness to come to his children. This implies that a father visits the children. And I, I, I want to just say this this morning. I understand humility as it is in Scripture. I understand that we are nothing. The prayer our sister prayed, for we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of The power might not be of us, but of God. I understand all of that. But I'm not a nobody. I am somebody. And so are you. It is wrong to think that you can't say the persons that you brought to Christ are not your spiritual children. They are. They're not the children. They're not the churches. They're yours. Now, you don't have ownership you don't have dictatorship, you don't have control, but you do have responsibility towards them. And Paul says, I don't come. I could exercise my authority, but I don't, because he said, I come not to to pull down, but to build up. You see, so it's important, the attitude. And I want to say this to you, that there is not just eldership. We tend to put things in a departmental box and say pastors and elders have to do this but before you ever put a name on me before I was ever called a pastor or whatever missionary I was doing something without permission if you know what I mean huh see I want to say this to you. I've learned that it is wrong for people to define me by my work because my work does not adequately define who I am. I'm more than my work. And do you know Spurgeon says that famous preacher Wrote more sermons and preached than anybody else in the history of the church. This is what he said: I marvel at how poverty-stricken my life has been compared with my opportunities. Think of that. So I understand we need to have a good, healthy. Understanding of who we are and not take to ourselves things that are not ours. But we also need to understand that there are people within our church. They're sitting alongside of you. And to delegate responsibility to minister or to help or to encourage these ones that are near you. And delegate it to a particular office or responsibility within the church is sad because there are many who never ask. They never divulge what is in their heart. They're struggling with issues of which they're afraid to tell. When I got saved, I did not know a scripture in the Bible. I was a total heathen. And when I wanted to serve God, I was afraid to tell anybody, lest they would think I was presumptuous, that I was proud, that I was a big head. And it took me a long time to confide in my pastor. And he was not the senior pastor. But I said, I'd like to serve the Lord. I didn't know what that meant. And I've found that many, many people are afraid. They're timid. They're shy. They've been hurt by divulging personal things with others. And they've built up walls. But they're wanting help. And just a little act of kindness, a little moving out of those boxes of where we officially do certain things and we give titles to people. So I want to be like Jesus. He was a, a man for all men. He was a man for all peoples. He didn't care whether they were prostitutes, publicans, sinners, or people in the synagogue. A willingness to come implies that a father visits his children. A father often initiates the action of visiting because he has observed the needs. Finally, two things. He doesn't seek yours. He doesn't come for you, for your offering, for your money. He comes for you. And you know, in my addresses to people to become missionaries or to serve God, I, say, I actually tell them quite clearly that I'm not here for an offering. And I'm telling you that today, so don't give me one. If you intended to, <laughs> give it to missions. But I am here for you. And I'm here for you today, what is it that I could say that might influence you might touch you might urge you, might stimulate you you might say well nothing well I can just say to you I enjoyed myself (laughs) see (laughs) the point is I do enjoy what I'm doing it's not dependent on the people's response for me to keep on going and doing what I'm supposed to do The fact is he asked me and I'm obeying as best I can and therein lies my joy. But the fact is that I'm not here and we shouldn't be. Fathers are not here for what you own, your possessions, your money, your tithes, whatever it is. He's here for you. That's what a father is. And finally, I want to say this. This is something which I've learned as a human parent, and that is fathers wear, they're willing to wear the mistakes of their children. Think of that. My, it hurts when they mess up. Spiritual children, and you have great hopes for them, and everything's going fine, and you think they're the greatest things in sliced cheese or whatever it is, and then they kind of fail in some way. I don't mean that they're gone and denied the Lord, although some of those do. What do you do? They're your kids. So, Rosalie and I have five kids, 19 grandkids and four great grandkids, you know, and uh, we're just there for them whenever they need us. We don't have the right uh, to be burdensome to them, but we do have something in our heart that says, well, if they mess up, we're going to stand with them, we're not going to abandon them, they're our kids. They belong to us, you know. And if we could kind of translate that across into the church, we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, as Ephesians talks. We have a responsibility to each other. So whether you're called a father or not, you can father. And even mothers can father because that's what they do. You know, I couldn't help the thinking we left the mothers out today, but every father had a mother, And you know, I was in India in March this year, my brother died, we're the only two in our family, and I had to fly home and take some part in the funeral. And at the graveside, all I could talk about was my mum and dad, because my brother and me are products of our mum and dad, products of my father, and those things that he uh, built into me many of I don't know whether you know what a cockney is but they have a lot of sayings and they're full of truth some I couldn't repeat to you but they are very <laughs> very descriptive they're not abusive and they're not crude they're just to the point and my father used to say son when I promised I would chop the firewood And I didn't do it for several days, he would say to me, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) He wasn't actually telling me that he didn't love me. He was just trying to get some sort of sense into my brain. And I must admit that while I was young, I did not obey. But after I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I began to draw upon this and just... As a little incident all through Asia and the Pacific, you will find the people just love you to talk about your father. Because culturally, that's big. And I've never called my father the old man. I don't actually like that term. The only old man is the one that's in Adam. (laughs) Okay. There's a new man now. What a wonderful testimonies that have been shared today. And I just love these two brothers. They came from New Guinea. A, new Guinea is a good place. we spent most of our life in New Guinea. And uh, Geelong, we were married. So I, Mount Gambier, I started a pioneer of church back there in 1965. So, you know, we have some connection, even though you didn't know me and I didn't know you. Thank you for having me this morning, and I trust that something I've said about fathers adding to what has already been said might be helpful to you.